Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 39. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the upcoming Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And, ladies and gentlemen, coming all the way from not only far to the west, at least of me, but, <laughs> but also at a very high elevation... It's the star of our show. It is Gary Renard. <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? I'm doing good, Jim. <laughs> you are. You're, you're, you said you're on not on top of Old Smoky. You're on top of Mount Shasta at the moment, right? Yes, yes. I'm in Mount Shasta, California, which is uh, known as one of the most spiritual places on Earth. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, magic, but it's fun. So uh, this is like really cool. I'm way at a high elevation. There is still snow. At the beginning of August, wow! On Mount Shasta, there's still snow on the top. So what What is the elevation there? Well, right now, um, at only about four thousand feet, but oh, the mountain oh. is about fourteen thousand, which is, you know, it's kind of like being in the Rockies because oh, yeah. uh, if you're in Colorado, there are a lot of mountains. They're fourteen thousand feet. The thing that makes Mount Shasta so dramatic is that you don't have a lot of mountains around here that are fourteen thousand feet, so it just sticks up above everything. Mm. And it's just beautiful. And uh, I'm actually staying at the home of the couple that married us, uh, Cindy and I, uh, last summer, uh, Michael Tamara and his wife, Raphael. And I'm staying at their home because they live here, and they they were uh, nice enough to have us come here. And uh, it's just really relaxing. It's really rural. There aren't a lot of people around here. And uh, so it's not like L.A. So it's just a, a fun getaway. We came here from Portland, Oregon, where we did a workshop last weekend. And... Uh, we're going to go home tomorrow, and we'll have about 12 hours at home before we fly to Vermont. So uh, oh. that's typical of our, uh, you know, traveling lifestyle. Yeah. But at the same time, we're just really having a good time here. So I'm glad that we were able to, you know, get the time to do this podcast. Podcast. Yeah, I know it was tough right. to, to fit in the scheduling, so folks will know. Yeah, you're kind of on a mountaintop tour, aren't you? You're at, at Mount Shasta, and then you'll be in Vermont, un- undoubtedly going to, was it Killian or someplace up in Vermont? What are the other? I don't know. But there's mountains there, too. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, I don't know if you, well, you must have seen The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Trap family, actually, they have a place in Stowe, Vermont, uh, where they settled after they escaped from uh, Switzerland and and escaped oh, from no the kidding. Nazis, and they actually settled in Vermont. And I've been there before. I'm gonna, I want to take Cindy to see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a really pretty place. So uh, we're going to actually do the workshop in Burlington, Vermont, but we're also going to see a little bit of the state, I hope. Cool. That sounds, yeah, so the Trap family also, the mountain tour, you know, they go through the Swiss mountains, and then they end up in Vermont. So Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I'll be in Switzerland in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a, a European tour of six countries that will include uh, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, uh, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get to uh, actually see a couple of things. I, I've been to a place in Switzerland that I want Cindy to see, which is the lake near Lucerne. Mm-hmm. And she's been to Salzburg, and I haven't, so she wants me to see that because that's where that movie, The Sound of Music, was actually filmed. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, the mountains in Salzburg. Cindy just so, wants to be able to do that spin-around thing that uh, Julie Andrews did, you know, with her arms <laughs> out in the mountains. Uh, you know, she wants to sing that. 
Oh, it's Cindy's favorite uh, movie of all time is The Sound of Music. Yeah, it's a great movie. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing that with her. Cool. And you're going to go to uh, Finland, and you'll be seeing our buddy Yuhei, right? Yuhei from the cruise. Imagine that. My publisher in Finland came on our cruise, and he's a really cool guy. Oh, he's great. Hi, Yuhei. He probably is listening in. I hope so, because uh, I'm really looking forward to going there. He's such a cool guy. Uh, I have this famous picture of him. He's actually lying in the water in the ice. <laughs> yeah. Reading a copy of a copy of your immortal reality, and, I finally uh, got to see that picture on Facebook. Yeah, he he has like a so people will know get the visual. It's like a hole in the ice, like they go ice fishing, and he's in there shirtless with, with like a drink next to him, as if he were in a hot tub. But it's frozen water, and he's reading this. No, he's reading your immortal <laughs> reality. Oh, so funny! Really, yeah, I'm uh, looking towards it. Brave guy, yeah. cold but brave. The Finns are crazy people. You know that there. I don't know. This would be my first trip there. Uh, uh, three of these countries, it'll be the first time that I've been there, including mm -hmm. Finland and uh, Denmark. Austria, I've been to Austria, but I've never spoken there. When I say I, that I've been to a country, I usually mean that I've spoken there. Right. So uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Just so folks will know, because we are recording this, you're at a different phone line here because you're out in M Mount Shasta. So we do have a, there's a hum on the line and some odd sounds are going on. There's nothing we can do about it. It must be that, that odd spiritual nexus that occurs at Mount Shasta that's causing this. But we're, we're, we're persevering. Well, just think of it as being St. Germain because uh, this is his favorite hangout. Yeah, what's the deal with him? I've, I've heard that and I don't know too much about St. Germain. Well, I just went about uh, two-thirds of the way up the mountain uh, yesterday. I didn't climb it because, you know, that, that would take some doing, but uh, you can drive up about two-thirds of the way. Yeah. And uh, it is a different energy. It's very interesting. And uh, people are showing me all over the place. Uh, after Art and Purser appeared to me and the book came out and people heard about them, then they started sending me all these books about Ascended Masters. Now, I really don't know that much at all about Ascended Masters, except for Art and Purser. But people would start sending me these books, and I'd look them over, and most of them, you know, they really weren't very good. But there was one of them, uh, it was called Unveiled Mysteries, and it was about Mount Shasta and St. Germain. And I read it, and it actually was pretty good. I mean, it's not A Course in Miracles, but it right. actually was pretty good. So uh, that kind of like got me intrigued about Mount Shasta, so I always thought, well, I'll go there sometime. And uh, then when I went up to the, the mountain there, I really did feel a lot of things. I felt a lot of uh, interesting uh, things going on in terms, not just of energy, but past memories and things like that. Mm. So it is uh, an intriguing place. If you want a place to relax and also feel a lot of spiritual energy, then this would be the place for you to go. It's not a place to go if you want to, you know, have some nightlife or anything, but uh, it, it's definitely a place to go if you want to relax and you know, kind of like, uh, you know, center yourself and do some meditation or something like that. Yeah. It's definitely a good place for that. I would have thought the nightlife would be good because that's obviously the home of Shastakola, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I have to check that out. I really haven't explored that possibility. And when you get to New York, you'll have beverages by hammer. So anyway, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> I'm sure that the Shastakola people will write to us now. We're not even in Mount Shasta. It's a good name, though. But, yeah. No, I have. So, I've, you know, since the last time I talked to you, uh, man, uh, Cindy and I did a speaking tour of Greece, and uh, wow, it was like that's one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah, and that we was went, your first time there, right? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was like uh, we went to the Parthenon. Uh, in fact, our hotel room had a balcony looking directly at the Parthenon, oh. and they light it up at night. Ah. And it's just uh, beautiful. And we went up there, and we had this, uh, you know, person who is a professional uh, historian guide us around. It's like uh, she's guided people around Greece, like uh, George W. Bush. You know, she guided him around. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, he was probably more confused than we were, but it's, it's like... Uh, now, now. <laughs> she kind of like showed us all these places, like the Parthenon. The Acropolis, which is really a series of three hills that overlook the city. Ah. Acropolis means uh, top of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went to the Parthenon, and we went to this hill, and I had specific memories of Jesus uh, speaking there. Ah. Most people don't realize that Jesus spoke in a lot of places before he started his official ministry, in uh, it's, which started in Nazareth, mm-hmm. then went around that area. Before that, he spoke in a lot of places. And Greece was the last place that he spoke before you pick up these stories in the New Testament, mm-hmm. in the Bible. Now, St. Paul spoke there uh, 20 years later, and that's really documented well in, in Greek history. But Jesus speaking there is not documented very well at all, because at the time, nobody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got to go up on top of this hill, which is near the uh, Parthenon, and we actually stood on the same place where both Jesus and St. Paul spoke to people. And it was just such a a great feeling, such an interesting uh, feeling, almost like an out-of-body experience of times past and things like that. It was really wonderful. And we also got to go to, like... uh, you know, the, uh, oh, what do they call it there? Uh, yeah, well, I forget. But it's uh, Mount Olympus and uh, oh, also, yeah. what do they call that? Oh, the uh, the Delphi, the Oracle of Delphi. Oh, right, the Oracle where the, uh, where the priests would get to, or allegedly get information from the Greek gods at that yeah. time, right? Yeah, that was a long trip because we went along the coastline all the way to the Oracle of Delphi. You know, and uh, Mount Olympus and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow, I was just overwhelmed. I was really overwhelmed with the feeling that I had of being there because I was one of the oracles of Delphi. And I remember th- this thing where uh, the the history of the oracles of Delphi was their own, but then they were occupied by the Romans. And, uh, and they had been occupied Greece has been occupied uh, forever by people like uh, from Turkey, and they were occupied, you know, for hundreds of years mm-hmm. uh, by Turkey, and then they were also occupied by the Romans. And uh, the Romans took over, and as an oracle of Delphi, uh, you know, we used to tell people before the Romans, you know, these really great things about their future, and we were, uh, you know, very good at it. But when the Romans took over, they made a priest get in between us and the people who we were speaking to. So now it had to be words coming from the priest instead of from us. So when that happened, then we got nasty, and we started to trick people. <laughs> and we started to give them uh, double entendres. We, we would say, you know, things that could you could take two different ways. And so we were tricking the priest and, and we, because we were so disgusted that we had to speak through them. And so we would give people actually false uh, kind of like uh, things, kind of like screw them up. So, uh, Practical jokers, even then. Yeah, so it, it was just out of our disgust of the Romans, you know. Right. And so, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that. I apologize. 
<laughs> a little late, but uh, better late than never. Really. Yeah, I always forget historically because that uh, after that time that the when when Greece when the great civilization of Greece that was prior to the Roman occupation, uh, and then I guess it never really regained its stature after that when Rome kind of collapsed. Uh, Greece never quite came back to what it had been previously. Correct? No, that's true. Yeah. That is really true. In fact, uh, about two or three weeks before we went to Greece, there were riots in the streets. Ah. And stuff, and, and it seemed like their civilization was collapsing again. Oh, yeah, because they had all the, uh, all the economic turmoil they've had recently. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Europe offered them something like a trillion dollars to bail them out, and all of a sudden the writing stopped. So when when we got there, you wouldn't have known that anything had happened. You would have yeah. thought that everything was just normal. And uh, it's it's really a great place, and uh, we loved it so much, and the people there. Uh, it's interesting because the disappearance of the universe has not been translated into Greek. Mm -hmm. uh, so most of the people who read it, they read it in English. And uh, yet there was still you know, a really good crowd, and they're really into A Course in Miracles. And uh, they love the book. And uh, you know, it was just so much fun to be there and to experience these people. Because, you know, wherever you go, A Course in Miracles people are pretty much the same. It does you know? seem that way, yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what culture they come from. When 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 the course has sort of drawn you in, uh, it, it's a very, there's a similarity. We've seen that, uh, you know, with everyone we've met. That's true. So uh, we had a great time, and I'm looking forward to going back. Cool. Well, um, I know we, we have a little bit of limited time today because of your scheduling. Um, so we've already talked about because you have the, your, your European trip coming up later in the month of August. Um, we're going to do a couple of questions for Gary that we have here. Any other topics? Actually, one of the questions kind of takes right off from a topic you just brought up if you want to go right into one. You want to do that? Sure. Okay, because people like that. You know, just so folks will know, because uh, uh, someone just emailed me recently and said, you know, could you guys, like, not talk about what Gary's doing and just talk about course stuff? And in case po folks don't realize, our podcasts are not just discussion about the course. They're essentially your newsletter. I mean, you, you no longer do a, uh, a monthly message at your – you do a newsletter, but you don't do a message at your website – talking about what you're doing, you do it here. So the podcast, that's part of the purpose of this. So we're not violating the rules that we established anyway, but that's, that's why. But we always have content. And uh, a few moments ago, you were talking about St. Germain and the fact that you're out at Mount Shasta and these, uh, these other types of uh, ascended master-based thought systems. And one of the questions that we had, which came from Antonio, I always say where they're from, but this one says, no location. So that may be a town in, in, in Arizona. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But uh, Antonio wrote in and said, uh, Gary, the, the wisdom that Jesus and ascended masters gave you, in your case, Art and Persa, sounds a lot, a lot, if not almost exactly the same as the Hawaiian solution to problems called Ho'oponopono. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And you're familiar with that, right? Ho'oponopono. Yes. You, yes, I am Okay, good. Um, and basically, he says that uh, that that thought system also says that there's nothing really out there. And I guess they use the term clean, which is basically to erase all of our past experiences, all of our memories since our creation. By doing that, we then receive information directly from the source in the force in the form of inspiration. So they don't specifically talk about enlightenment, although Antonio feels it's implicit. My question is, saying to myself, and I guess it's their process, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you, nonstop, is that the same as the forgiveness process that you talk about? So maybe you can address that, and, and that's another ascended master's thing, ho'oponopono, 
and maybe uh, let us all in on that because I think you know more than I do about that. Well, I love the Hawaiian language, you know. Whenever you see two O's, it's O-O. Right. Everything is pronounced. Whenever you see two A's, it's A-A. So uh, I remember Nicolas Cage in that Honeymoon in Vegas movie. Uh, he was, uh, you know, it's, it's spelled K-A-P-A-A, and he was calling it Kapa, and people said, no, it's Kapa. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it's hilarious. Uh, and he was saying, what are you talking about? It's not Kapa. <laughs> well, that, that's why the state is Hawaii, because there's two eyes at the end, Hawaii, but Kauai is only one eye, so it's not Kauai, although people say that about the island of Kauai. So, yeah. That's it's, right. It's, it's you get used to it if you hang out oh, there. Yeah, and like, yeah. You start to get used to it. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, that whole thing is concerned, uh, yes, it is very similar to a lot of the ideas in The Course in Miracles. But what I say to people is, you know, and you know, this show is not a podcast because once we start to talk about a course of miracles, we stick to a course of miracles, and we stick to the thought system of the course. Right. And uh, you know, uh, something like that. Yes, it's very interesting, and uh, it's fine. But you know, you start saying, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I did this. Well, that's guilt. Yeah. You know, and and we all know that love means never having to say you're sorry. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, it's not the same. It's not really the same. And uh, as a person who used to be, you know, one of the big kahunas, because I was, uh, you know, living there in uh, Kauai, you know, in the past lifetime, and, uh, you know, I'm into that culture, and I love it. And I would gladly go there today and stay there for the rest of my life and stay the hell with everything. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, uh, it's not exactly the same. Nothing is exactly the same that I've seen ever uh, in terms of being the same as the Course in Miracles. Right. It's, it's really not exactly the same. That's why I stick to the Course. Even though I love Hawaii, even though I love uh, the past culture there, and I'm into all this stuff, and I used to be, you know, uh, the big kahuna. I used to be into the Huna religion, and I know about it, and I love it. But at the same time, it's not a Course in Miracles. So that's why I stress to people. You know, even though it's fascinating, it's not the same thing. That's why I stick to the Course, and I tell people to stick to the Course, because I sincerely believe that it's the fastest way to undo the ego. And as the Course says, you know, salvation is undoing. And it's a brilliant approach, because if you undo the ego, then eventually the real you, that perfect love uh, that is the same as God, is going to be all that's left. Right. So why, you know, uh, go with all these other things that are really diversions, as far as I'm concerned? Even though they may be fascinating and they, they may be interesting, they're not A Course in Miracles. They will not undo the ego, and they will not get you to where you want to go. So, you know, that's just the way that I feel about it. Even though I, I love Hawaii and I love this kind of stuff, uh, I always come back to the Course because, to me, that's the fastest way to undo the ego and go back to your source. And also the course, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts and also on some of our conference calls where, where you know, people, we, we always call it the spiritual buffet line. There's so many different thought systems and stuff that you can study, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And as we say, at some point in everybody's spiritual progress, you kind of do get involved in that, and you sample a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and see what draws you. But to make progress with any of them, you kind of have to eventually focus on one to the exclusion of the others. And in our case, if it's A Course in Miracles, 
then, as you say, the other stuff is interesting, and it doesn't mean you may not pick up a few good ideas or some good practices here and there that actually help you in your life, but you really have to focus on the course to get those benefits. And as we've spoken about, the course is such a cohesive thought system. It's so coherent. Everything holds together. You never get a, a stray piece of something. Well, this part doesn't really work, but I like the rest of it. It's not like that, at least in our experience with the course. It always works. If there's a misunderstanding, it's just, oh, now I get it. And then it's totally clear. So, uh, yeah, so I agree with you on that. Uh, but it's interesting that we, and, and as we've said once before, too, we, uh, once we start studying the course and really incorporating that into who and what we are, we see everything through that filter. So again, you can go back and read the Old Testament and you may read stuff that normally or previously would have seemed odd. But when you see it now through a course perspective, you sort of reinterpret it and go, oh, there is some truth in there that I, so you, you, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that is what we do. And then it makes everything seem to fit together a little better. So, and that, then you don't lose your focus, which is course based. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And uh, there's a workbook lesson where Jesus actually appoints you as one of his ministers. And it's called I'm Among the Ministers of God. Right. And uh, you actually start to pick up the thought system of the Course to the extent that you can go back and read the Bible, and you can see what parts are coming from the Holy Spirit and which parts are coming from the ego. It's like you become your own minister. Yeah. You can see the thought system of the Holy Spirit and where it's coming from, and you start to think with the Holy Spirit, and the rest of it just kind of like falls away. So it's not just, uh, you know, that A Course in Miracles is uh, the only way. It doesn't say that it's the only way. Right. But you can definitely see what's coming from the Holy Spirit and what is not coming from the Holy Spirit, and I think that that's very important. I think that is, uh, the Course is never designed to be the be-all and end-all. And the Course always says it doesn't take you to heaven. It doesn't bring you enlightenment. What it does is it trains you to be receptive to that miracle-minded state. So it basically, as it says, turns you over to your inner teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. And once you're in touch with the Holy Spirit, then the truth always can come through and, and clarify any other question you may have. Well, that's true. And the more that you undo the ego, the more that you will be in that state of spirit. So I think that the approach of the Course, uh, which is you know pretty much the same as the original approach of Buddhism in the sense that it undoes the ego, what that's going to do is going to put you on the fast track to enlightenment because it's not that enlightenment is something that you have to achieve. All that you have to do is undo the fault you, undo the ego. Right. And if you do that, then eventually the real you will be all that's left. And uh, that's not something that you have to struggle to become. It's already there. You're yeah. already perfect. All that you have to do is undo the fault you. And that's really a great approach because, uh, you know, it's like you're, you know, undoing all of the stuff that is in your unconscious mind through the practice of forgiveness. And we should mention, you know, this forgiveness is really... Uh, the main teaching of the Course in Miracles, not uh, the way that uh, forgiveness is usually thought of, right. you know, in the world. But uh, it's kind of like uh, the Course does say that forgiveness is the means of the atonement. You can think of the atonement as being the end game, you know, kind of like uh, at one or enlightenment or being one with God. Mm -hmm. uh, the Course describes, you know, heaven as the awareness of perfect oneness. Well, to achieve that, uh, it's kind of like if, you know, forgiveness is the means of the atonement, then all you have to do is practice forgiveness. The Course says that that's your one responsibility. And if you do that, then you will achieve the goal of the Course. 
sooner or later, if you keep practicing forgiveness and right-minded thoughts with the Holy Spirit, then you will undo the ego and you will achieve enlightenment. And it's like a done deal. It's like uh, it has to work. So uh, it gives you a specific means of achieving enlightenment. And so many of these things that I see out there and so many of uh, you know, these philosophies, it's like they don't do that. You know, they'll uh-huh. describe the problem. You know, I, I saw this movie once. It was called uh, Revolver, right? I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but yeah, it's supposed to be very good. It's a very good movie. Uh, I can't recommend it to people because it's very violent. Ah. It, it's, and I don't usually recommend very violent movies to people because some people are upset by that. Uh, I'm not. I don't care. You know, it doesn't bother me. But, uh, you know, some people get upset by the violence. And uh, you, you see this movie, Revolver, and about halfway through, you start to realize that this excellent film is speaking on a bigger level than what you thought. It's really about the ego. And it describes the ego uh, in a very good way. And uh, at the, even at the end of the movie, they bring on these heavy hitters. They're actually talking during the credits. Uh, people like David Hawkins and uh, Deepak Chopra. They actually show them at the end of the movie uh, talking about the ego. And it's fascinating. And uh, they're very articulate and very brilliant. And they're describing the ego. And they do a great job at doing that. The only problem is they don't give you a solution. They're very good at describing the problem. Yeah. You know, people are excellent at describing what the problem is. But nobody tells you what the solution is, except for A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles actually gives you a solution. It gives you a way home. It gives you a way to undo the ego. And I didn't see one of these people at the end of this movie say a word about that. Well, you know, it's something you've said many times, is that you can't, I think Einstein had the original quote, uh, you can't solve a problem with the same mindset that is the problem, that created the problem. The solution has to come from outside of that entire thing school of thought. So you can't solve the problem of the ego from within the ego's thought system, which is the thought system of the world. So the course is coming from beyond that. And so that's why it can offer an answer that actually works. That makes sense? Absolutely. And uh, I just saw a brilliant film uh, called Inception. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are talking about. With Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is a a brilliant man and a great actor. Is he really and, good in this? It's doing great at the box office currently. It's been like number one for a number of weeks, so it must really have uh, good legs, as they say, but it must be a really good film. Yeah, it's a great film. And uh, the person that wrote it obviously knows a lot about A Course in Miracles. Oh. And there's a lot of stuff in there about projection and, and the fact that you know, you're dreaming and all kinds of ideas uh, on different levels going on. And uh, it, it's interesting because... Uh, it was presented as though this level that you and I are talking on right now, where I appear to see a room in front of me here, mm-hmm. uh, it's like it does present the idea that this is still reality, and all these other different levels of dreaming are a dream. Right. But then even at the end of the movie, it suggests that even this level that you and I are talking at in this room that I'm you know, looking at, it does suggest that even this is a dream. So that's interesting. And uh, it's a great film. You know, it's a Hollywood film, so you get all the bang-bang, shoot-em-up type stuff going on. You have to have violence. You have to have uh, action. Right. It definitely has that. But at the same time, it's it's a brilliant film, and it shows how these ideas from the Course are integrating, you know, into everyday life, into everyday society, into the movies, into TV, 
you know, you see TV series like Lost and stuff like that, all these mm-hmm. uh, multiple dimensions going on. It's really very interesting. Uh, but I would recommend uh, Inception to people just based on the fact that it, in- it incorporates a lot of these ideas you know, into the film. Yeah. And, uh, it- it's really very interesting. I'll-, I'll check that out. I've been intrigued by it, and the trailers look good. It's got some wild special effects going on, but it's good to know there's a, a deeper content to it as well, because that's great. Yeah, actually, it's, uh, it, it's a very uh, intelligent film in the fact that it takes place on several different levels, which you never see in movies. I think that's one of the reasons that people go see it again. Uh, pr- practically everybody who goes to see it goes to see it a second time mm-hmm. so that you can understand uh, the different levels even more. Yeah. Cool. You know, it's interesting, too. I wanted to bring this up a moment ago, but it still fits with what we're saying here, uh, talking about enlightenment, that it occurred that, to me that it's not... Enlightenment's not a state we need to attain. We're already there. But as you said, with forgiveness, we're removing the blocks, the barriers. The Course says about removing the blocks to love's awareness. So we're peeling back that onion and getting rid of all those layers of ego thought. And then what you're left with is just the purity, the oneness of what you are. So that is enlightenment, and you already have it. You just don't know it yet, or we just don't know it yet, because we still are seeing through those layers of, of illusion. But once you've removed them all, so it's, uh, you don't have to become enlightened. You have to become aware that you are enlightened. Is you know, is that an interesting turnabout? Absolutely. <clears throat> I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make with the Course in Miracles is that they think that it's some kind of an intellectual exercise. Uh, they look at it as thirteen hundred pages long, almost. It's like uh, you know, very uh, intellectual looking. But you have to remember that within that framework, the Course is really saying that it's simple. And we've talked about this before, but uh, it's simple because it represents a choice between one of two things. You have reality, which is God, and then you have everything else. So those uh, millions and trillions of bits of intellectual information that we think are so important are nothing, and God is real. And God is, and that's the absolute truth, as Arden Purser have said it. And it's like uh, you can choose all this stuff or reality. So it's really simple in, in the uh, fact that you can choose to look beyond the illusion. You, know, you can stop yourself from reacting with the ego. Then you can remember that everything that you're seeing is a projection that comes from you. Uh, nobody else made it up. This is your projection. This is your hologram. Now, if it's your hologram, and if you made it up, then nobody in that projection has any power over you. You are completely safe. You are the master. Uh, There's nobody out there who has the power to affect you unless you give them permission to do so. Mm -hmm. If you give them permission to hurt you, then they can hurt you. But what if you don't? What if you withdraw that permission? Then nobody in your hologram can hurt you. Nobody has any power over you because it's really just a projection that is coming from you. So now you can change your mind about it and you can say, look, I'm the one who made this up. There's nobody out there who has any power over me. I'm the one who gave them their effects, just as the Course says. You know, I gave them their effects by causing them and making them seem real. I can withdraw that. I can take the power away from them and give it back to myself. So now nobody has the power to hurt me. Nobody has the power uh, to do anything to me, and then I can choose, as kind of like the third step, I can choose to look beyond the illusion. I can look beyond the veil, as the Course puts it, you know, look beyond the body, right. and choose to see them as what they really are, which is this perfect spirit, 
knowing that if I do that, that is how I'm going to feel about myself. As the Course says, you know, as you see him, you will see yourself. I can choose to look at them as being nothing less than God, absolutely perfect, uh, completely innocent. And by seeing them that way, that's how I am going to see myself, because my unconscious mind knows that there's really just one of us, and if there's really just one of us, and if my unconscious mind knows everything, including the fact that, that there's just one ego appearing as many, which is just an illusion, then I can start to think differently, you know, as the Course says, if I forgive, I will see this differently. Right. And I can kind of like look beyond the whole thing and just see uh, Spirit, which is what the Holy Spirit sees. You know, the Course says, everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. You know, so the Holy Spirit sees sameness. The Holy Spirit sees everything uh, is, as being spirit, which is beyond the veil, beyond the illusion. It's a, a way of thinking that kind of like presents itself where everywhere you look, every person that you see, yeah, the body's eyes will tell you that they're different because the ego sees differences. Yeah. The ego sees everything as being different, of course. But the Holy Spirit doesn't think of it that way. The Holy Spirit thinks of everything as being the same. Everything is being spirit. And if you think of it that way, then eventually you will come to believe and experience that you are spirit, which is why, you know, the Course works so well. You know, I tell people in my workshops, uh, you know, what most spiritual systems try to do is they try to balance body, mind, and spirit. It's like they're all, you know, equal. You know, right. Body, mind, and spirit, and they mm -hmm. try to balance them. Well, that's not the approach of the Course in Miracles. Uh, the approach of the Course is that you use the mind to choose between the body and spirit. Uh -huh. And whichever one you choose is what you will think is real. And ultimately, what you will think is you. You're actually establishing your own identity as you will experience it and think that it is by the way that you choose to think of other people. And, and of course, spiritual sight is uh, the way that you think. It doesn't have anything to do with the body's eyes yeah. because uh, the body, as the Course says, actually represents a limit on awareness. And what we're doing is we're using the mind to go beyond what the body's eyes appear to be showing us. And of course, the body's eyes aren't really showing us anything because it's really just like uh, something that you're seeing with the mind. Yeah, let me let me expand including, on that. Including your own body. I just wanted to slip that in there because yeah. it's kind of like uh, even your own body is a part of the same projection as everything else that you're seeing. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to bring up here, too, is, is in terms of applying this in, in a way that, that is, is, is practical and that actually works. Because a lot of people have problems, and probably we all have had this problem at one time or another. We say, no one can hurt me, but then you're being assaulted, you're being abused, you're being attacked by someone, or you know whatever the horror may be. So how do you get past that? Because it seems so real, but I think you just touched on it by saying, the the one of us, the one that's projecting this is not the human version of ourselves that we currently seem to believe we are. So that that human version can seem to be suffering, can seem to be in pain or in danger. And that feels very real. It, and then you say, well, I'm not I'm not projecting this horrible thing that seems to be happening to me. Well, not you, the human, but you are projecting it from that other level. And it's from there that you can change the projection. Is, is that the way we apply it? Because you can't apply it from the human perspective, so we have to shift over, I think, as you just said, to the spirit perspective, which can change that. Right. Now, oh, wait a minute. We have a Cindy alert. Cindy just looked through the door. Uh-oh. Yeah, she's talking to me right now. Uh, my, ba my beautiful baby just came through the door. 
I'm totally distracted. Is she rehearsing for her Sound of Music uh, sing-along that she's going to be? Okay, I'll be out soon, baby. Love you, baby. She just told me she'll be sitting outside. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. And now we all know. So <laughs> people all over the world are thrilled now, Gary. Um, <laughs> it's nice, though, you know, because a, a lot of times people have said in, in comments that I get on emails, you know, it's, it's like, oh, it's, it's really nice to hear Cindy walk in. It's like it's uh, by now it must be so obvious that you and I don't rehearse these things. That we don't we don't we're not in. Well, I'm, I'm in sort of a studio, but you're always wherever the heck you happen to be. And people walk in. You've had plumbers come in while you were on the air here. So. Uh, well, that's true. In fact, uh, you know, the way that we do this, it's like we seldom know. We may have a few hours' notice as to when we're actually going to be able to connect with each other yeah. and do these podcasts. So it's really kind of fun. You're a traveling man. Yeah. Uh, let me let me just uh, – I was looking at a question I've got sitting in front of me, which is almost what we just spoke about. So let me uh, – Donna had sent in a question fairly recently. We always try to do some old ones and some new ones. This was, was pretty new. said, hi, Gene and Gary. I, I really enjoy the podcast since I can listen to them over and over again. I get a lot out of them. Gary, recently uh, I saw you for the second time in Denver. So Donna was just out in Denver. You were there not long ago. Yeah, that was just last week. But it Uh-oh. seems like a month ago I it, traveled m- Maybe it was a month ago or whatever but no well she just sent this one in. anyway she found today's conversation very reinforcing uh, has two questions the first of which was said that in your workshop and in one of the more recent podcasts you briefly mentioned that since we're projecting everything which is in essence creating the world we seem to see then there's room to change what and how we project it it makes sense in terms of the type of forgiveness lessons that we have and it would be helpful to hear more about since it seems like it goes hand in hand with creating a happy dream so that's kind of what we've just been saying is that you you can't change the dream from the thought system of the dream but when you embrace the thought system of the holy spirit which is outside the dream when you align your thoughts with that because the course lesson my mind holds only what i think with god your real mind only holds the thoughts of god and and the holy spirit is the vehicle to bring those those two things together into one but that's where the as you've said here we we don't rewrite the script but we can change it to the happier version of the script or the holy spirit will do that for us when we do the forgiveness work that allows it it, do i have that about right here yeah i think so i think that uh i want to be careful here because i don't want people to think that this is about the level of form right this is really about the level of the mind that's why the course says this is the course in cause and not effect yeah you know it's really about the power of the mind. At the same time, if you use the power of the mind, then it's possible that you'll experience changes on the level of the effect. But that's not the purpose of the course. That's not the focus. Right. You know, we really want to keep our you know eye on the ball here. We want to yeah. you know stay on the level of cause. Yeah. If thing, but at if the thing... same time, I just wanted to say yeah. that uh, at the same time, if you change uh, the level of cause, then you will notice you know things changing at the level of the effect. There's a very important uh, thing in the manual for teachers in the course, and the manual for teachers is very overlooked uh, by people because it's really a brilliant summary mm-hmm. of the course. And one of the questions that are asked in that is, "Are psychic powers desirable?" Right. And I think that people should reread that because what it's saying is that if you do this, if you practice forgiveness, which is the number one thing. In fact, that's your sole responsibility, according to the course, is to practice forgiveness. And to accept the atonement for yourself, well, the Course says that forgiveness is the means of the atonement, which would mean that uh, your only responsibility in this whole thing 
is to practice forgiveness. And if you do that, then the manual for teachers is saying that you may come upon, you know, kind of like powers and uh, abilities that will seem quite startling to you. Mm-hmm. And that just happens as a natural byproduct. That's not the focus of the course, but it will happen. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, then you'll find that you're able to do things with the mind that you weren't able to do before, really interesting things. And I think that the wave of the future, you know, everybody nowadays, they're really into like the secret and uh, the law of attraction and, you know, attracting things to you that are out there in the world, supposedly, in your projection, and you're going to attract them to you. Well, I don't think that's the wave of the future. I think the wave of the future uh, is much more specific uh, for example, let's say that uh, you wanted something. Well, if this is all your projection, if everything you're seeing is coming from your own unconscious mind, well, why not just put something there in your projection that you want? Why not create the projection that you prefer? So if you want some money, why not just have it show up? You know, why strive to get it? Why not just have it show up in your bank account or have a check show up in the mail or have something, you know, come to you that you made up. It's kind of like uh, what physicists are saying today is that in the next century, they're going to actually be able to make things appear, like have an apple appear on a table and you'll actually be able to eat it. It'll be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like uh, the holodeck in Star Trek or something. Right. You're, you're going to yeah. actually be able to make things appear from out of nowhere. Now, there have always been masters like Yogananda and others who have been able to make things appear and disappear in their hologram. People will be able to do that, especially masters will, you know, instead of going out and working, you know, for 30 years, you know, to get a million dollars. Well, why not just have a million dollars show up in your hologram, which you are creating anyway, and just have it be there, you know, from out of nowhere, literally. And that's going to be the wave of the future. That's the technology that is emerging. And part of it is because of the Course in Miracles, not because the Course is about making anything happen in the world, but simply about the fact that the Course is about removing the blocks to the power of the mind, which is inherently yours. So if you're making this whole thing up and making this whole projection happen, well, why not make things show up in the projection that you would like to show up instead of things that you don't want to show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, and as you're saying, it's a side effect. It's a byproduct. It's not the goal. But if it happens, that's great. Now, I guess hand-in-hand hand with that is also if it doesn't happen, that's great, too. You know, you have to be equally satisfied with, with whatever the outcome is if you know that that outcome is ultimately meaningless and not even real. Right. That brings up uh, one more important point, and that is that the Holy Spirit knows what's best because the Holy Spirit can see everything. The right. Holy Spirit can see everything that ever happened from the beginning of time to the end of time, all the multiple dimensions, all the different scenarios that we could switch over to or not switch over to, uh, we can't see that. As individuals, we cannot see everything. The Holy Spirit can. So in the end, we have to kind of like defer to the uh, opinion of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what's best for us and we don't. So that's the caveat. Uh, that's the one thing that you have to remember. If things uh, don't appear to be going your way, well, maybe it's because the Holy Spirit wants you to forgive what is right in front of your face. And if you do that, then you are accepting your sole responsibility. You are doing the one thing that the Holy Spirit is asking you to do, and you have to trust at some point the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the job. Yeah. 
That's great. And yeah, that I was going to say, it's kind of like uh, there's that uh, that old country song, Unanswered Prayers, that sometimes you think you want something, you ask for it, you pray for it, and you, and you don't get it. And you think, oh, I've been abandoned. But then it turns out it was the best thing for you to not have had that. You thought it was going to be great, but it would have been not great for you ultimately. And you can't see that, but the Holy Spirit always can. Yeah, I mean, I see all the time in Hollywood. I, I meet these people, you know, these they get turned down for this and they get turned down for that. And I've been turned down for this and turned down for that because, you know, I've been trying to, you know, get my books made into a TV series. And yet at the same time, these people will say, and, you know, it turned out to be a good thing that was turned down for that because then I got this. Mm -hmm. And this was better than that would have been. And, you know, it kind of like can work out in a way that you're not aware of because you can't see the future. But the Holy Spirit can, and the Holy Spirit may guide you if you're, you know, undoing the ego and getting into a state of spirit, which is inspired, then the Holy Spirit will guide you to what is best for you, and it may not fit your pictures, and it may not be what you thought you wanted, yet it's not just the best thing for you, it's the best thing for everybody. And uh, that's something that we can't see, but that the Holy Spirit can see. And so at some point, you know, the Course talks about, you know, the development of trust, uh, at some point, you get to trust the Holy Spirit, but that is something that the Holy Spirit earns. It's not something that is a blind faith or a blind trust. Right. After a while, you start to trust the Holy Spirit because you realize that what the Holy Spirit has in mind is something that actually works, where yeah. what you had in mind probably would have led to disaster. And, and by the way, the word disaster simply means... Uh, you know, disastral. It's like you're disconnected from the astral yeah, right. uh, plane. Yeah. Yeah, so, and being with the Holy Spirit, you're connected. So, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit knows what's the best, and, and that's uh, something that takes a little bit of humility. Uh, you have to be able to step back and say, okay, I don't know everything, but the Holy Spirit does, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit uh, lead me to what is best for everybody. There's a, uh, a one line in the Course I always love, that it's because Jesus is so subtle in his little humor, where Jesus says uh, that you should not take it as personally insulting that your role is so small and the Holy Spirit's role is so large. But that's just getting the ego out of the way, where we think we have to be in charge of everything, and in reality, we're the last person who should be in charge. The Holy Spirit should always be in charge, and we simply align with that, and then the answers come to us. And as the Course says, learning intellectually about this stuff is never going to really change you. The experience of it is what will change you, and that's what you just said. When you start to see the results of the Holy Spirit, you have that experience, and now it becomes truth. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you use that quote. Uh, that's a brilliant quote from the Course. And uh, it means a lot to me. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm right on the same page with you. That's one of the reasons I enjoy talking to you, because you understand the Course. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, it's like we always get back to the thought system of the Course. And uh, I think that it's a complete thought system. It's like you have two thought systems really being presented in the Course. You have the Holy Spirit's thought system, the thought system of love. Yeah. And the Course explains the thought system of the ego. Now, a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. Know, a lot of people, uh, they don't want to hear about the ego. And in fact, there are teachers out there, uh, famous teachers, who will tell you that you should make friends with your ego. And we've talked about this in the past, but yeah. you can't be stressed too much. Your ego is not interested in being friends with you. <laughs> yeah, it has no desire to be your friend. Your mm. ego wants to kill you. you know? yeah. So it's like, yeah, sure. I, I want to be your friend and you want to kill me. 
And uh, the only thing that you can really do about the ego is undo it. That's why the Course says that salvation is undoing. There's only one thing that you can possibly do with the ego, and that's get rid of it, undo it. Now, the ego may not like that, but that's the truth. And that's the approach of A Course in Miracles. That's why it says salvation is undoing. And uh, if you want to take that approach, then the fastest way to do it is through the kind of forgiveness where you're coming from a position of cause and not effect and taking responsibility, not in a bad way, but taking responsibility in a powerful way and realizing that I can stop myself from thinking with the ego, which is the first step, and that's the hardest step, is to stop yourself from reacting. Then change your mind about it. Realize that, look, this is my projection. Nobody did anything to me. This is all me projecting this. And then you can change your mind about it and go beyond the veil, go beyond the illusion and say, look, what I'm seeing is not true. It's just an illusion that I made up. And reality is God. So now you can start to think about everybody. And you also feel this way about yourself eventually if you think about other people this way. You can think about them as being this perfect spirit which is exactly the same as God. No less than that. You know, something that is not part of it, something that is all of it. And if it's true that as you see him, you will see yourself, and it is true, then by thinking about the world that way, you will come to experience yourself that way. That's how Jesus got in touch with his divinity. That's how he experienced his divinity, was by seeing it in others. And he asked us over and over again, in the Course, to just simply, you know, follow his example. He says, you are not asked to be crucified, you are merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them as false justifications for anger. And that's all we're asked to do. And no. yeah, it's a tall order because it's, uh, you know, the absolute reverse of the way that we've come to think throughout, you know, probably millions of years. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it can become a habit. It's something you can get used to doing to the point where, you, uh, like any discipline, you would actually miss it if you don't do it. So, uh, man, it, it's a challenge, but it is doable. It is definitely something that we can do. Let me just real quickly ask you the second part of Donna's question, because this one actually was asking for some advice, and I think you may have just touched on it right there, and perhaps that is the answer. It was real quick, but this is a specific application about applying forgiveness. She said, I've been working on forgiving my relationship with my ex-husband, and I feel like I've made good progress. However, he's also involved in a criminal case that I keep getting drawn back into. He's incarcerated now. That's pretty serious. So the threat of immediate danger is gone, although I may be called to testify. Please give me insight as to how I should handle this. So how, I think that's just what you were saying. How do you apply it in a specific case like that where it's right in your face? Yeah, well, the forgiveness always comes first. You know, that's always the first step. Uh, after you forgive, then you look to the Holy Spirit, and this happens naturally after a while, uh, you just kind of look to the Holy Spirit for guidance. So I can't tell Donna what to do. That's not my job. You know, that's the Holy Spirit's job. You know, people sometimes will ask me what, you know, they should do, and I say, look, my job is to get you more in touch with the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit will guide you. Uh, I get emails every week from people who are telling me what the Holy Spirit has told them that I should do. <laughs> you know? And it's like, wait a minute here. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you what other people should do. The Holy Spirit guides you as to what you should do. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so it's like uh, I consider my job to not be to tell people what to do. My job is to help people get in touch with the Holy Spirit by undoing the ego. And there are several things that I go through in my workshops and in, in my books, obviously, uh, that, you know, are designed to undo the ego and get people more in touch with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can guide them. So, uh, you know, Donna shouldn't be asking me. Uh, she should be asking the Holy Spirit uh, what she should do. And it sounds to me, and I mean that in a nice way, because right. it sounds to me like, uh, you know, she is practicing forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit will guide her as to what, you know, she should do. She doesn't feel like she's in danger right now. That's good. Uh, she doesn't feel like, uh, you know, she's threatened, yeah. and that's good. And all she has to do is just keep practicing forgiveness, and she will be guided by the Holy Spirit as to what course of action to take. That's why it's kind of like apples and oranges. Like, you, this is all done at the level of the mind. You know, forgiveness is done at the level of the mind, and the Holy Spirit is at the level of the mind, and the Holy Spirit will guide you, and then you go out into your life, which appears to be real, even though it isn't. Yeah. You know, it, it appears to be like you're living in this world, and uh, you can actually be guided as to what you should do, where you should go, what action you should take or not take, whatever. Uh, you know, and sometimes people won't think that it's very spiritual. It's like somebody sues you. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit's guidance should be uh, that you will uh, get a good lawyer. Right. You know, and people will say, oh, that's not really spiritual to take part in that. But you know something? Uh, it's apples and oranges, like mm, I said. Yeah. Uh, the course is done at the level of the mind. At the level of form, you do your life. You do what you feel guided to do. Uh, people won't always agree with you, but how do they know what's best for everybody? It's the Holy Spirit who knows what's best for everybody. And if you can follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can be guided throughout your entire life as to what you should do. And it, it will actually work better than if you were trying to do it on your own. And Donna's issue about being called to testify, I think someone previously had asked us about that. How do you how do you practice forgiveness if you had to go and testify against someone in court? But again, as you just said, apples and oranges, it's two separate things. You can be forgiving while you give testimony, if it's the truth, that may damage someone or, or you know, cause them some legal complications or, or in, in further uh, incarceration or whatever it may be. But you can do that forgivingly the same way you can, as, as uh, I think Persa said, uh, you know, if somebody's going to try to uh, rape you, kick them in the you-know-whats and forgive them later. But you, you, you can do it forgivingly. And as we've, we've used the example of a, if there were a police officer who was a course student and had to save someone's life by killing a criminal. You can do that in a complete state of forgiveness. Well, you know, because you see it's two different things. I have to act within what seems to be the world, but my mind is in the place of forgiveness where I see the non-reality of it. It's like the cane from Kung Fu, that guy. You know, you may have to beat up the idiots who are attacking the innocent person, but you do it in a loving way. I know that sounds like, like it's at odds with itself, but you know what I mean, right? Well, yeah, I think that you said that uh, very well. Um, I think that you have to be honest. Uh, I was called once for jury duty back in Maine. It was after I was doing the course. Mm -hmm. And uh, they asked me, you know, well, uh, what do you think about uh, this whole thing? And I said, well, you know, if, if I'm on a jury, I would have to uh, vote not guilty. And they said, why? And I said, because I, I don't judge people. I have to say not guilty. <laughs> and so I didn't have to serve on jury duty. <laughs> I guess a lot of course people could really get out of jury duty because you say, well, you know, I don't believe this world is real. Your Honor, we move to dismiss this juror. You know? 
but it, <laughs> really, and I, I couldn't vote guilty on a uh-huh. on a case. And uh, at the same time, I'm I'm I know I'm kind of like flying in the face of what I'm saying, but, right? Uh, but at the same time, you know, you have to be honest, and and that was my feeling at the time. Right. And uh, you're more discerning same, now. You can make those little fine line judgments a little better than. Yeah, but to me, uh, I always defer to the judgment of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and uh, sometimes it might be that you you should take action on the level of form. Maybe there is something that you should do. You know, certainly, uh, you know, we talked about this before, but if the person next door is abusing their children and you know it, the fact that you practice the Course in Miracles does not prohibit you from alerting the authorities right. to the fact that that person is abusing their children. So I, I think that it's not so important what you do. I think what's really important is who you do it with. You mm-hmm. have to consult with the Holy Spirit, because now you're undoing the idea of separation in your mind because you're connected uh, to that higher power, that higher source, where if you're doing things on your own, then it becomes chaotic, because you don't really know what to do. It's almost like you're guessing, and the Holy Spirit doesn't guess. The Holy Spirit knows what's best. I think that I was going to ask you for a closing thought. I think that's probably it. And funny, once again, we don't plan these things. It just worked out that way. But this whole podcast was really really discussing putting the Holy Spirit in charge all the time. And that's really the whole solution right there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as you undo the ego through forgiveness, that happens naturally. It's like you're more in a condition of spirit, because as the ego is undone, the spirit takes over. Right. And, And the Holy Spirit is actually occupying your mind in a good way, because you're giving the Holy Spirit permission. Right come into your mind. Yeah, you're not being invaded or taken over, or it's not a will outside yourself. The will you think is your personal will doesn't really exist, because only God's will exists, and you are already that, you know, so you're just getting the garbage out of the way. What remains is the truth. There you are. I think that's true, and then eventually you come to realize that you are the Holy Spirit. Right, <laughs> that right. It's the, re- it's the real you. That is right, the real you is that. that. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit is not some separate thing apart from you. It, it actually is you once you've gotten, again, all the blocks out of the way. Oh, that's great, buddy. So uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. I, I got a couple of hours to uh, enjoy Mount Shasta here before we go back to L.A. in the morning, and mm-hmm. then I have a whole half a day. Ooh. In L.A. Well, before we go to Vermont, there's so, your, there's uh, your new book title: A Half a Day in L.A. A Travelogue by Gary Renard. Hey, that's good. I like that. Um, real quickly, you and I just talked about this moments before we started recording our podcast. We're pretty sure about the date of the next conference call, which I believe we said we think is going to be uh, August seventeenth. Is that correct? Yeah, that would be a Tuesday night, August seventeenth. Right. Because uh, I'm going to Europe the next day. Uh, on the next day, okay. Yeah, I get six countries. We're going to six countries in Europe. We're going to be gone for almost a month. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at your schedule. That's why I said it would be if we're going to do this, we'd have to do it fairly soon. So we think the 17th looks good. We we will nail that down very quickly, and we'll have a page up where people can get information about one of our famous series of conference calls. They've been great. The last one was terrific that we did. Uh, we're thinking of calling this one "Summertime Blues for the Ego." It'll be how to how to give the ego a little more of what it doesn't want, which is to undo it. Uh, so that sounds good. What we'll do if people want to find out about this, uh, as soon as it's definite, um, and, and we're saying right now it's not totally definite, but we think that's going to be the date. Uh, you can check at GaryRenard.com, go to the appearances page, and in your in your series of dates of where your appearances are, that's where the link for the uh, conference call will show up, presumably on for August 17th. 
And then they can also go to forgiveness.tv because I have a link there that will take you right to the sign-up page about all the information on the conference call. So right at the homepage of forgiveness.tv or at Gary's appearance page. So those are the two ways to, to find out. But mark your calendars now. It's, it's highly likely at this point that it will be August 17th. Cool. cool. And uh, before we uh, finish, I want to give a shout-out to my buddies in Ashland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Because they're always so good to us, and they're such great friends. And uh, Cindy and I just love these people. Uh, so I want, want to say hi to like uh, Bruce and Mikey you know, and Jonathan and Ed. You guys, you're just tremendous. Thank you for being so wonderful to us. We just love it there. And you are the best. You're absolutely the best. I threw in that little boing for Mikey there because he likes that sound effect. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I saw some of the pictures from that just real quickly. And, uh, yeah, it looked like a great gathering. And didn't, uh, was, was Martin there, our, our buddy from the U.K.? Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. They Martin? went at the workshop, and we didn't expect to see them. Yeah. And then they had a, a get-together after the workshop, and all of a sudden, Martin from England. Right, and Francois. And my booking agent, Jan, Jan Cook. Uh-huh. They both showed up. I, you know, we didn't expect that at all. Yeah. So that was a real treat. I, know, I saw the pictures. I go, that's, it's my buddy Marty. And, it, yeah, Martin and, and Francois, I think, was with him, right? Oh, yeah, Francois. Yeah. He's just These are two great, great friends from the U.K. who were on, on cruises a while back, and uh, yeah, we, we, we know we, so well. We've met him at workshops. We've met him on, on yeah. cruises. Uh, Martin, Francois, Jan, love you guys. It's like... Uh, yeah, we were totally surprised because we didn't expect to see them. And Roberta and Rob were there too, right? Uh, not at the workshop, okay. but we actually got together with Roberta and Rob. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had us at their house and showed oh. us around the next day. Cool. And it was just wonderful. And that was such a cool trip. And Ashton, Oregon, it's a wonderful place. If you ever have a chance to go there, definitely make the time to see it. Yeah. Okay, will do. Any uh, any final wrap-up thought, Gare, now that the pressure's off? Well, <clears throat> the pressure... Uh, I, I don't know why the pressure's off. We're still recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I, like I've been telling you in private, it's like uh, I've been traveling so much that I know that I have to make more time to just, you know, chill out and not travel so much. So uh, I'm really looking at different ways to do that. I want to have more time to write uh I think the reason that Art and Persa have given me most of the material for the fourth book is to encourage me uh, to live up to their guidance, which is to put out a book every year, which I obviously I haven't met that guidance so far, but that doesn't mean that I can't do that. So I think that uh, when the third book does come out, whatever the date is for the release, which will be determined by the publisher, Hay House, uh, I think that from that date on, I can actually put out a new book every year. So that's going to be uh, one of the big things that's up in front of me in the future, is mm -hmm. to make more time to write and make sure that I you know, have enough going on or not going on so that I can put out a new book every year. I, I just wanted to ask you, since you brought that up, any, any thoughts about when that might be determined for the release of uh, Love Has Forgotten No One by Hay House? Cause, and I know you don't want to make a prediction and not have it come true, but obviously a lot of folks are eager and uh, always asking about when, when the release date will be. Well, I think it could be January. Uh, that's not up to me. It is actually Hay House's decision. But I'm going to kind of like uh, try to coax them to, to get it out sooner rather than later because there are other countries that may publish it even before them. Ah. I was like uh, uh, the third book could be published in Dutch uh, before it's published in English. Ah. So uh, I'm going to kind of like 
use that if I can right. <laughs> to encourage them to get it out uh, as soon as possible. And you can have um, our buddy Andre help promote it in Holland over there. Absolutely. Our, he's our favorite brewer in Jungin, as you know. You know so, uh, <laughs> well, I, I told him if I was gay, I could really go for him. <laughs> You know, I always think, though, that, you know, you and I, maybe we're, we're actually like gay, you know, because, you know, look at it this way. We both like music and we like musicals. I know I'm a big fan of Judy Garland's work, actually. We're sensitive. We're communicative. We're loving. You know, I think for us, it's probably just the whole sex with men thing. You know, other than that, I you know. Well, it's also uh, it's also a good thing that both you and I have these beautiful women. That's right. Speaking lives. of which, say hi, honey. Hi, honey. It's my lovely Helen right here with us. Hi, Gare. Hey, Helen. Love you, babe. You too, baby. Now that's great, because now we've had both girls on. Cindy said hello before, and now you've said hello. Oh, wonderful. Thanks, honey. All right. <laughs> the Gare man has to go, because I know we've run way longer, and I, I appreciate your extra time here, Gare. You always, you're very generous with your time. On the conference calls, it's like, oh, tonight we're going to cut it at a certain point, and then you're on for an extra 40 minutes or an hour. And we were, you said you only had like 30 or 40 minutes, and I see the clock. We're at about an hour right now. So I appreciate all the extra time. I know that our podcast listeners do, too. That's cool. And, uh, you know, we love our, our listeners, and I love my readers, and I guess what we really are is friends, you know. It's no big, uh, like, you're a guru over there kind of a thing. It's like, uh, we're just friends, you know, and that's the cool part of it. Yeah, it it really is. As we'll just real quickly say this because we we've we say it when we do the conference calls. We say it when we've been together on, on the cruises and other events where where you've been there and I've been with you. Uh, it really is like that. I mean, we're, you're with people, and it really does feel like extended family. Like you're with this loving group of friends that you've known your whole life. Because really, I think that ultimately we we have all kind of known each other in in lives beyond, you know. And so it's a reuniting, and that and that you again, it's the experience of that it's not the idea of it when you're there you feel it it's a palpable experience that you have of that oneness and that that complete loving support that we all have for each other and and you know you can't make that up so it's a great thing it really is wonderful yeah yeah it really is so thanks for this i, I really enjoyed this and uh we'll do it again soon yeah and we'll do the conference call and i hope that people will join us yeah, I know your schedule is going to be crazy over the next couple of months, but we'll see about maybe we can turn around another podcast somewhere, uh, you know, as soon as we can. We'll see when the next one comes up. Uh, but again, check for August 17th for the conference call and uh, and 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 we'll go from there. OK, yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. Hey, have Talk a nice soon. have a nice tour of Mount Sa Mount Shasta, you and the Cindy girl there. And uh, and then you're heading off to uh, to L.A. and then Vermont. You're a That's traveling right. man. And then to Europe. That's right, Europe after that. But we'll hopefully we'll we'll connect again prior to that. But thanks, okay. buddy. Um, I'll be back to wrap things up with everybody, and uh, after after the little music comes in. But uh, thank you so much, Gary. Really appreciate it as always. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. After my telephone conversation with Gary, we were able to confirm that our next conference call will in fact be Tuesday, August 17th, 2010. And you can sign up for it and get further information about the calls themselves in two places. First of all, you can go to that website, the famous one that Gary, in all his originality, 
came up with the name for himself. It's GaryRenard.com. That's Gary's own website. And go there and on the appearances page, where you can also find out all of the dates where Gary will be doing personal appearances and all the other activities that he's involved with. But he'll also have, under August 17th, he'll have a link to uh, actually go to the sign-up page for the conference call. So that's one way to do it at GaryRenard.com. And you'll also get all sorts of other great information about Gar. The other method is to go to Forgiveness.tv, the home base for the Gary Renard podcast. And right there on the home page at Forgiveness.tv, you'll find several links. Hmm, let me see. I believe near the bottom there's one that says Conference Call. And if you go to that and click on that, it will take you to that web page as well where you can actually sign up and, uh, and or just get further information about the conference calls. While you're there at Forgiveness.tv, don't forget there's also a nice little paragraph highlighted, which you can click on as well, to get information about my internet study group, On Course with Gene Bogart, which is working out really well. That's where we present my recordings of each day's workbook lesson from A Course in Miracles. And the On Course group is adding members all the time. It's working out great if you're, uh, if you're doing the workbook for the first time or if you're just reviewing. And if you're following along on a calendar day-by-day -day basis, then you know that uh, we all just recently got into part two of the course workbook. Uh, and that's really an exciting time because now all of the information, all of the building blocks that we've been learning since the beginning of the workbook, now we're putting it actually into use. It becomes very experiential, all the lessons from here out to the very end of the workbook. So it's a great time to uh, join in and jump on board, and uh, you'll find some wonderful people there as well, as well as hopefully enjoying those recordings. So you can do that either by going directly to oncourse.genebogart.com or by clicking that link right there on the home page of Forgiveness.tv, which will take you there. You can also sign up for our uh, newsletter, which hasn't been all that regular recently, but it's about to, about to become much more regular. Um, I finally have done what I've threatened to do for a long time, which was to upgrade my web server, which will now allow us to actually have a little button that you can click and just enter your own email address, and you'll automatically be on the list. And if you have duplicate listings or choose to, uh, to unsubscribe, you can do that as well. So everybody can have their own control over their membership on the list. That's not in place just yet, but the system now will allow that. So very soon I'll have that in place. Right now there's a link to send me an email and then I'll be adding you manually to the list. So either way will work. Uh, check it out at Forgiveness.tv, where you'll also notice that I have fixed the photo. Yes, I finally got around whatever the software problem was. I don't know what it was, but I seem to have managed to fix it. So the photo of Gary and I is now right side up, which is, again, a big improvement. Check out all of that if you would. We always look forward to hearing from you at Forgiveness.tv. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and distributed by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2010, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. All rights reserved, all grievances forgiven, of course.
This is Gene Bogart saying thank you so very much for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and that's not just me talking about it. I really mean that, and so does Gary. We both really value all of our podcast friends, all of Gary's readers, all of the folks who study A Course in Miracles right along with us. Uh, you guys are our dear friends, and it means so much to us. So don't don't let me get all weepy on you, but no, sincerely, thank you very, very much. And until our next get-together here on the next episode of the Gary Renard Podcast, let me close out by just reminding you of what I say at the end of each and every episode. That no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer. Oh, let me think of it real quick. Uh, I'll edit out the gap here. Hold on. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> I'm definitely going to edit that out. <laughs> no, you should or, leave that in. I should leave that in. I don't, I don't, I don't have to, I may have to bleep it. Maybe this will make the tail end of the show where we stick something embarrassing in. I think this I, will I think our listeners know us by now. <laughs> <laughs>